Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Church Online. Um, my name is David Wood. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, one of the areas that uh, I oversee is I oversee our pastoral apprenticeship program. And uh, so we have a number of pastoral apprentices this year. They're a great bunch. Uh, but one of the uh, topics that we look at early on in the, uh, in the apprenticeship is the question of calling. And uh, what does it mean when we say that God calls us? Now, typically, there are two aspects to calling. I mean, we believe that, that Jesus calls us to follow him with our lives, and, and we follow him all the days of our life. But there's another form of calling, and that is where God calls us into specific tasks or specific vocations. In fact, the word vocation, vocatio, comes from the word calling. And so I, I, I work with the uh, pastoral apprentices trying to discern um, calling. And one of the questions that I ask um, our pastoral apprentices to help them discern their, the call of God in their life is this question. It's an important question. You may want to take note of this. Um, the question is, what is, it, what is it that makes you weep and pound the table? What is it that really, really stirs your heart? And when you think of it or when you see it, you think to yourself, man, this should not be. Uh, where that passion bubbles up, um, that is a pretty good indicator of calling. And for some people, when they see the hungry or the marginalized, uh, when they see uh, the vulnerable being taken advantage of, that stirs their heart deeply and, and, and that informs their calling. The one thing that makes me weep and pound the table is this. Um, it's bad teaching. When I see the devastating effects of false teaching, in particular, um, it stirs my heart. When I uh, hear people teach um, that in this world of ours, there is no truth, there are no fixed realities, that you can make up your own reality, and that uh, morality is completely subjective, and you can basically live however you want, and this is the way to life. When I hear that kind of false teaching, it stirs my heart, because I know false teaching, especially that kind of false teaching, can lead to absolute destruction. It could lead to death. I know that because... Um, that was kind of teaching that I bought into uh, when I was younger. I was an atheist, I was a Marxist, and I bought into that kind of way of thinking about the world, and this false teaching almost killed me. And so false teaching, when I see it, it drives me crazy, and it stirs my heart. The other thing is bad teaching. When I see people take something like as something as beautiful and as powerful and as wild as a gospel, who Jesus is, his life, death, and resurrection, and, and the life-giving message of the kingdom of God. And when I see people presented in such a way that puts people to sleep, it drives me crazy. It just drives me crazy. And I say, this should not be. And so teaching matters a lot uh, to me. And, and thanks be to God. I mean, it's an area that I've had an opportunity to explore over my Christian life. Now, it's interesting because in our study in the book of James, uh, in our passage today, teaching um, figures very large in what James is arguing. And so if you have a Bible, turn to James chapter 3. That's what we're going to look at today. James chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 1, and we go to verse 12. And this is what James has to say. Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. 
For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Jesus, this is your word. We pray that you would speak into our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say through your word and eyes to see and the courage to respond to what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's look at what James says. Keep your Bibles open. Um, right at the beginning, James underlines what we've been talking about so far, and it's namely this, that teaching matters. Teaching that matters. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James begins with a warning. Not everyone should be quick to teach or become a teacher. Why? You'll be judged with greater strictness than others. Now, why is this the case? Well, as we've seen, there's dangers associated with being a teacher. Uh, dangers so severe that considerable prayer uh, and training needs to happen before you're ready to, to teach, become a teacher in the church. James knows this because he's one of the teachers in the church. And he knows that teachers have a tremendous, they're in a, they're in a position to have tremendous influence over other people, um, for good or for ill. And in the church, false teaching really is a matter of life and death. Because what are you doing? You're handling issues of um, eternal life, eternal damnation, meaning, truth. And if these things are not handled correctly, if they're not handled well, man, you could really go off the rails. And so James sees these dangers firsthand because if you've been following through the book of James, you know that there are issues going on in the church. And a lot of the issues, it seems to be, stem from false teaching. Uh, James knows that, uh, that there's been people that have been teaching false doctrine, 
about who God is and what, who, what Jesus is all about. Uh, there's been people uh, teaching false practices, saying that it's okay for you know you to show favoritism towards the rich and, and to treat the poor um, you know as as you know tell them to go sit off into the corner. And uh, James says, you know, where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from wrong teaching, right? Um, that there's hypocrisy that's being taught, where, where you're, you're being, your heads are being filled with knowledge, but it's not spilling down to how you live your life. So there's a disconnect between what you know to be true and how you live your life. And Pastor Sam walked us through that the other day. And in many ways, I think what James is underlying, he's underlining uh, what Jesus taught in, um, in Matthew chapter 12. He says this in, in verse um, 36. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. So teaching matters. It matters a lot. Um, it, could, it could lead you to life or it can lead you to death. And I, I remember uh, years ago, um, good teaching saved my life. I was, I was um, working in, uh, in a bookstore, and uh, I like books. And so I was working in a bookstore, and we were just pricing some books, and I was with this buddy of mine uh, who is a theology student. He's now, he's now a pastor down in the States. And um, I was telling him my frustration because I felt that God was angry with me, and I was doing a lot of good things, but I just felt that God was angry at me. And I remember he just kind of said this uh, as an aside. He said, well, good thing our starting point in the Christian life is grace and forgiveness and the cross. And that we could always boldly approach the throne of grace. That's our starting point. Well, I'll tell you, man, that, that spoke into my life and that made all the difference. All the difference. So good teaching can bring life. Bad teaching can bring death. In our passage, James, he talks, he, he makes a, a subtle shift. He, he moves from the whole issue of teaching. He makes a shift by the time we get to verse 2 um, to how words can affect our lives. And look what he says in verse 2. He says this, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So what's he saying? Well, he's saying, well, first off, that none of us is perfect. We all stumble in our lives. He says, but to be perfect, to be perfect, what, is a perfect, um, what does a perfect person look like? Well, a perfect person is able to um, exert or to show self-control over their entire lives, over their body. And they're able to do this because they're able to control their tongue, control their speech. And uh, now when James talks about a perfect person, don't think of somebody who's like sinless. That's not what he means. He's talking about maturity. He goes, a mature person can bridle their tongue. And if you can bridle your tongue, it makes a difference. Uh, it can it affect your entire life. It affects your, affect your entire body. And so what he's teaching us is something really important, is that there's an intimate connection between how we speak and our entire lives and, 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 uh, and how we live. And, uh, I mean, Jesus taught us that out of the overflow of the heart, uh, our mouths speak. And James is saying, yes, that's, that's true, but he's showing you that there's an there's a inverse relationship as well, that how we speak affects our heart, affects our entire lives. And I know this personally, um, and I'm sure you, you could give examples of this as well, but there was a day um, before I was a Christian, I mean, the way I spoke, the way I spoke was not... <laughs> 
well, it was not a really good way of speaking. I would go through, typically in any sentence that I would speak, I would usually have about three or four swear words, like pretty harsh swear words. And I was in China, so in English and in Chinese. Um, I, it was just the way I spoke. And lots of foul language. That's just the language that I use. But here's what would happen, is the more I would use this language, the more riled up I would get. And I found myself getting really angry, and I didn't know why. And in hindsight, I think it's, it's part of it is being shaped by the language you're using. The, 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 the words you choose to use can affect your heart, and your, far, your, your heart can affect your language as well. Uh, sociologist um, Craig Gay puts it this way. He says, quote, Words are the essence of our existence, and the quality of the words we hear and speak all but determines the quality of our lives. And so if you want to grow in maturity, if you want to grow in self-control, you need to control your words. And this means you need to control your tongue, which I'll tell you, when I became a Christian, that was one of the hardest things for me to learn. I'm still learning. Um, but the whole power of the tongue, that's where James turns his attention next. Look what he says uh, in verse 3. He says, he says this, uh, you know, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large that they're driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It boasts of great things. And uh, what James is unpacking is, is the power of the tongue, the destructive power of the tongue as well. And I remember uh, my old, old Testament professor, Bruce Walke, some of you uh, took in a, a conference by him at our church uh, not that long ago, before COVID. Um, and Dr. Walke uh, tells a story, and, and the story, and you've probably heard this story, but it's about a king who sends his emissary out to, to find two things. He says, I want you to go throughout the kingdom, and I want you to bring back to me the greatest treasure in my kingdom. And so the guy goes out and he searches the entire kingdom. He comes back and he has a platter. He says, what's on the platter? He lifts the lid and there's a tongue. He says, the tongue is the greatest treasure in your kingdom. And he says, oh, wow, okay. Now go out and find the greatest enemy in my kingdom. Well, you know where we're going. He comes back, same thing as the tongue. It could be the greatest treasure, but it could also be the greatest enemy. And that's the point that James is making in this passage. He says, the tongue is small. It's, it's quite small, but man, can it ever do a lot of damage? Um, it could, it could, uh, well, it can do damage, but it also can do good things. And so James fires off a bunch of illustrations at this point. So he talks about, uh, you know, a bridle and bit and the way it controls a horse or a, a little rudder and how it can control a large ship. And he said the, the tongue can control the body, right? And um, just as a horse is guided and a ship is guided by something small, the tongue can affect really big things, and it can. The tongue, though it's small, if used incorrectly, can affect an entire organization. It could, it could affect a country, in fact. Um, I was thinking about um, Winston Churchill in the Battle of Britain and the speeches that he gave, and he used his tongue in a way that encouraged the people to stand and fight against Nazi invasion. Um, so that's a, a great example of, of a tongue encouraging an entire nation. But then you also get the inverse where you get in Rwanda in 1994, um, where you get um, 
uh, one, one tribe, the Hutus, referring to the Tutsis as cockroaches, right? And you kill cockroaches. And so the language, the language we use, even though the tongue is so small, can have huge effects. And so James's point here is that we cannot ignore the damage that can be done through careless or mean-spirited speech. Um, you guys know the old uh, childhood rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, obviously, whoever wrote that uh, saying has never been on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook because words can do a lot of damage. And I've done this, man. I've done this in my own life. I, I've shared this before, but I had a very close friend and he and I were meeting and we we're both leaders in a, an organization and, and our, our conversation was getting a little tense and, and just at one moment I said something and it was a reckless word and it pierced like a sword, that's what Proverbs teaches. And as soon as I said it, I regretted it because I saw it went right into his heart and our relationship broke at that point. And it did damage not only in our relationship, but it affected the organization that we were part of. And so the old saying, the knives of saying cut the deepest. The tongue, if we're not careful, can cause incredible destruction. And that's what James gets to right in the very next part. Look what he says. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I mean, <laughs> James, tell us what you think. I mean, <laughs> James doesn't pull his punches here. And fire, in the language he uses of the tongue, when the tongue is improperly used, is the language of fire. And in the ancient world, one of the biggest fears if you lived in a city was fire, because the moment a fire started, there's very little ways to put the fire out. And there's stories of ancient cities uh, being raised to the ground, burned again and again and again because of fires. This is what happens because chimneys hadn't been invented yet. Um, well, even in BC, even in our own province, every summer we know, you know, so a careless campfire causes incredible damage, incredible forest fires. And so those are the images that James wants us to keep in mind when, when you hear him say these words. He says, the tongue is a fire. And when the tongue is not bridled, when it is not controlled, it can cause a world of trouble. It could wreck lives, wreck careers. It could destroy friendships. It could destroy churches. It can stain the entire body. That's what James says. And not just our own lives, but the body, the church, right? He's referring back again to false teaching. So reckless words can really do a number on us. And, and you guys have probably heard stories of this. I remember, what was it, a number of years ago, that uh, woman, uh, I think she was a reporter or something like that. She was in Africa. She tweeted something that she shouldn't have tweeted. It was just kind of an offhand tweet. And she got on the plane, turned off her phone, landed three hours later, and turned on her phone, and her phone practically blew up because what she had said, what she had tweeted... Uh, was retweeted, I think, two million times, and all sorts of conversation happened about what she had said. And by the time she landed, um, she had lost her job. She'd been fired. So reckless words can affect their, our entire course of life. And um, why is the tongue so dangerous? Well, James says, well, because the evil one can use our words and exacerbate things and make things really, really bad and, 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 and set fire and, and let the fire spread, right? And um, James says, it's taken by the evil one and set on fire by hell, right? And he says, 
lots of beasts of this world we can tame, but nobody can tame the tongue. Nobody can tame the tongue. Now, I just want to take just a couple minutes. It's a bit of a rabbit trail, a bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it relates to what James is saying, and hopefully it, it connects to our world, our worlds today. Um, first off is this, you know, the idea of the tongue being a problem, causing issues, I mean, it's not new. It runs all throughout history. The untamed tongue is a dangerous thing. But I would say this, that uh, the potential for destruction through ill-chosen words has, um, has drastically increased in our world today. Let me show you why. Um, well, it used to be, if I said something stupid or hurtful to another person, yes, there would be damage. But the scope of the damage would be limited. Unless I was a teacher, but that gets back to James's other point. If I'm not a teacher, I'm just talking to somebody and I say something hurtful, there is damage, yes. Uh, but here's the thing, I could, I could see the damage. I could look at your face and I could say, oh man, I said something that hurt him. Or I, or I said something that hurt her. And hopefully, hopefully, because I see the effect that it had upon you, I would do something about it. And I try to deal with it through dialogue. Uh, through dialogue, by talking back and forth, we could work this out. And whenever you and I enter into dialogue, we show respect to one another. We show respect to the words that we speak. And when you're having a dialogue, you're speaking together, right? And communication is reciprocal. We're embodied. We're talking to one another. And hopefully, confession and forgiveness could result, okay? But today... The potential for setting the forest ablaze by my words is so much greater. Why? Not because of the internet. Because of social media in particular. I mean, how often have you seen the sparks of the untamed tongue blaze into a fire on the internet? I mean, it happens all, it happens all the time. <laughs> it happens, yeah. Especially recently, not just especially recently, but it, it happens all the time. Through social media, the way we speak to one another has changed. Instead of dialogue, in-person dialogue, what we have on social media is we have, um, we have monologue. And in a monologue, there's only one speaker, only one active voice. And we speak in a way to achieve our purposes. And so we'll say, you know, I like this political party, I like this song, I like this comedian, I like this movie or whatever. But it's, it's the, the nature of a monologue is not so much to listen, but to present what we our opinions. And social media is a perfect vehicle to put our restless tongues into action. And in, 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 in this context, everybody is not speaking with one another, they're speaking at one another. And the way we evaluate, you know, how effective my monologue is, is by how many likes I get or how many comments I get and vice versa, right? Now, I say this, I'm on social media and I fall into this all the time. But here's the danger. When millions of people, millions of people are monologuing and we're interconnected by the internet and you add the restless evil of the tongue <laughs> and the poison of our words can spread like what? Like wildfire. And I don't know about you, but it's much easier to offend people online than it is in person. Why? Because, well, we don't have the relationship. We're not embodied. Um, 
is when you when you post something and I'm interacting with it, I don't know. Have you had a bad day? Are you feeling okay? Are you lonely? What's going on in your life? I know nothing except your monologue. And so there's there's no relationality. And the other thing is, if you disagree with me or if I disagree with you, if I comment or you comment, it's not just you and me talking anymore. It's not a dialogue. It's, it's, it's all my friends weighing in and all your friends weighing in. If it's on Twitter, it's the entire world weighing in. And so the very medium of social media can, can spread the poison. Again, James says it's a restless evil. The last thing I see in, in, in this is... is is we've moved from dialogue to monologue to catalog. And catalog is basically where there's a propensity for us to just put people into a category so we, so we don't have to deal with them. And that happens all the time on social media, where we look at somebody, we see what they post, and we say, well, you obviously are this person, or you are obviously this person. We put you into a box so we don't have to deal with you, which is very depersonalizing. Now look what James says in verse 10. He says, how our tongue, with the same tongue, we can with the same tongue we can bless our Lord and Father, and with it we can curse people that are made in the image of God. And how much of online activities is cursing those who are made in the image of God? Now, some of you may be thinking, "Well, that's this is different." Uh, you know, you're you're confusing the two. This is James is talking about talking in the tongue. This, this is just what I post on Instagram. It's not a big deal. But as a friend of mine put it. The words that I type are the same words that I speak. The same applies. It's the same restless evil and deadly poison, whether I type it, I post it, or I speak it. So where do we go from here? Well, James gives us an idea where we go from here. Look at verse 10. He says, From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a... Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. G- James warns us, he warns followers of Jesus Christ that this kind of poisonous talk, this unbridled use of the tongue, it runs right up against the life that Jesus is inviting us into. And because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're no longer people that we once were. And so we no longer spew words, salty words that sting and lead to death. Instead, we've been given God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us and transforms us and shapes the words that we speak. Remember what Jesus says back in John chapter 7. He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow streams of living water. And so what is flowing out of you these days? Is it a spring of fresh water that brings life or salt water that brings death? Are you speaking words that build up or tear down? See, our tongues, according to James, are a raging evil. With the internet, they're a raging fire with a can of gasoline by our side. And so how are we going to live? Well, these are very difficult and confusing days. And I, I don't know about you, but I find that online, everybody's angry at each other. Everybody is angry, so angry. Everyone is busy canceling one another, shouting at one another. And this anger is spreading like wildfires, just what James is saying. 
And as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to offer a better way, a different way of speaking. I mean, to put it maybe crudely, would Jesus tweet? (laughs) Would Jesus retweet? Um, Would Jesus cancel someone on Instagram? We're faced with a life and death choice. Will we spread the wildfire through inflammatory words? Or will we grow in maturity, becoming the people that we're meant to be because of the cross of Christ and bring relief to a burnt over world through the fresh water of well-chosen, life-giving words? I think that's the choice that we have before us. Let's pray. Oh, God of grace, we need your help. We need your grace. We need your transforming power. We confess that so often we speak words that tear down and don't build up. We speak words that, that, uh, that, that, that kill, um, that are like a raging fire out of control. Lord, our desire is to be transformed by the Holy Spirit more and more like Jesus Christ. And that living water would come out of our, our lips. That the words we speak would bring life and not death, would build up and not tear down. Lord, we cannot do this through our own self-effort. This isn't some moralism and we gotta, you know, reform our speech and speak better. It's gotta be the work of the Holy Spirit in us transforming us. And so we lay this before you and we ask for your mercy in Jesus' name.